Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and parents around the world. Hello, everyone. How is everyone faring? I mean, Eliza had pink eye over Thanksgiving. That was thrilling. Um, she's been sick ever since we went camping. I think she finally gets to go to school today. I am recording this. Uh, I did this interview at 6.30 a.m. I mean, this call was scheduled and then it got pushed. And Kate was so generous in squeezing us in this morning. And so it's 9.30 her time, 6.30 my time, which is actually kind of great. If I could get over the fact that I have such a morning voice, I might always do this because it's so quiet and my head hasn't gotten, you know, scrambled with all the logistics of the day yet. It is December, which is just, it used to be magical and now it can seem very stressful and uh, it seems like the calendar is, uh, you know, bursting at the seams. I miss when I was little and my dad would take me to school and he would always play the chipmunks holiday music. It was so fun. And it's like so crazy to think that my dad would do that, but he would always make the holidays so special. And he was the single dad who would have, you know, 20 styrofoam lollipops going up our sidewalk. The house would be covered in lights. It was always like a Chevy Chase family vacation. And I miss that. I miss being the child with the sense of wonder instead of being the one logistically figuring it all out. <laughs> I think I'm going to hire a task rabbit to do our lights this year. I'll let you know how it goes. But yeah, as the mom, December can be really busy and stressful. So we're going to spend the next 30 something minutes learning how to do less. Our guest today is Kate Northrup. She's an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, and mother, and she's built a multimedia digital platform with her husband, Mike, that reaches hundreds of thousands globally. Today, we're sharing her second book, Do Less, a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy moms. The New York Times number one best-selling author, Glennon Doyle, says of Kate's latest book, I inhaled Do Less, and as I finished, I found myself breathing easier. Important book, perfect timing. New York Times bestselling author and Atomic Moms guest, Dr. Shafali Sabari, who, by the way, when she interviewed me for her coaching institute, she interviewed me as a guest. She was like, you, you got to have Kate on your podcast. So thank you, Dr. Shafali, for hooking us up. What she says about Do Less is full of strategies and concrete tools. This book offers us women a valuable path of self-discovery, transformation, and transcendence. Uh, I could use a little transcendence right now. Okay. I'm going to be right back with Kate Northrup. Apologies for my cold. <laughs> you know, it's that time of year. Kate, we have so much to talk about. So I'm just going to throw out the entire thesis of your book, Do Less, and cover as much as humanly possible in the next 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so you write in your book, I witnessed both my parents work, 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 work my entire childhood. Productivity was a holy grail, sought against all odds. And I've got to say, it's the same with me. 
I mean, my mom would go to the office on Christmas Eve. So you and I, I mean, I'm I'm guessing this is all linked. You and I are both, you know, just circling back again and again to the lesson that we are inherently enough. And so I want to know, to kick this off, like what sparked you to rebel from the path that you were set on by your family's model of doing and ambition? I have always rebelled against it a little bit. And I will tell you how. So I had a nanny growing up who, um, both my parents are doctors. So, um, you know, at any given time, somebody was like leaving in the middle of the night and um, to go, you know, for an emergency or blah, blah. So, um, so my nanny said, (laughs) she said that I was really easy on myself, actually. And so I think that part of who I am is somebody who can really hold the duality of like all of this stuff matters and none of it matters. I've always had an extremely good sense of humor about myself and life. Um, And that's pretty unique in my family. (laughs) That's something... (laughs) That, I mean, my parents have great senses of humor, but I think that um, my my parents and my and my older sister are, and actually my younger sister too um, have a real tendency to take everything incredibly seriously, and I just never have. And so I think part, I guess my answer to your question is I think I was born that way. How do you go from none of it matters, you know, in that lighthearted way? How do you keep it from veering into the nihilism of none of it matters? (laughs) Good question. I mean, I really think that what matters is our joy. I think that our purpose here is to be joyful and to be of service. And so from the perspective of none of it matters, I think that the way that I don't I don't really ever struggle with slipping into that nihilism of like, well, then why are we doing any of this? Because it's so obvious when we connect with other humans and I'm like deeply I am incredibly sensitive and I am deeply moved by humans. And so like it just feels like we're all so connected and people matter so much. So I, I think that we just need to stay focused on like that nothing matters in terms of the details, but what matters so much is connection and presence and joy and being of service. So as long as I keep those things front and center, it it's very easy for me to let go of the stuff that doesn't matter. So here's an example. Currently, as I sit here recording this with you, I am at my mother's house. My one baby, my my daughter ha- didn't have daycare today and I didn't realize, plus there was a snow day, plus there were the holidays. So like, I am super backed up with, like, I'm not doing any of the things I'm supposed to be doing for our company. I, that's a, that's an exaggeration, but many <laughs> things are undone and and late. And I also have my my best, best local friend just had a baby. And so I had this whole vision of what I was going to make for her and this whole thing. And I had all the ingredients and I was bringing it over to my mom's house. But then I realized like I wasn't going to be able to do all of it. 
And at the end of the day, what really matters is that I show up for my friend, that I bring her soup, that Mm -hmm. I rub her feet, that I, you know, put in the laundry, whatever I can do to be of service while I'm there. But like bringing these organic Rice Krispie bars that I planned on making from scratch doesn't (laughs) matter. So I let myself off the hook this morning and I left the ingredients at home and that felt really good. So that's like a daily minutia example of how the do less philosophy works. And I'm not beating myself up for it. And I don't think I'm less of a friend. No, I mean, you're still showing up, which is so huge. The qualities that you're sharing right now that you're putting at the forefront are all, you know, after reading your book, like the feminine qualities. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about tapping into the feminine, because while to me, it seems like we're, it's something we're really embracing when it comes to men and, you know, healing toxic masculinity and the way that we are raising our boys to respect the feminine and the feminine within themselves. I I do sometimes struggle with it as a woman because many of us feel this responsibility to tap into our masculine and claim our space in the world, you know, finally. And, you know, according to your book, it seems like I have some feminine reclamation homework to do. So can mm-hmm. you give a simple overview for our listeners of, you know, the masculine and feminine energies within all of us and what's out of whack for many? Sure. sure yeah. So, you know, there's identifying as a male and there's identifying as a female, which are different than masculine energy and feminine energy in our culture it's been, we have assigned masculine energy qualities to men and feminine energy qualities to women, people who identify as female or male. But it's actually like two different conversations. It's kind of like there's a conversation about your gender identity and there's a conversation about your sexual orientation and they're not the same thing. So... (laughs) Um, for each of us, there's the there's the traditional qualities of the masculine, which are goal oriented, I before we, competition, linear, action over uh, action over rest, aggressive, and these can all be used in positive or negative. So they all have a light and a shadow side. And then the ma- the feminine is more receptive, flow, cyclical experience oriented versus result oriented and more about community. So we, as opposed to I, and so where the masculine, uh, I love the description and I can't remember who described it this way, but that the masculine is the embodiment of having something to die for. And the Mm -hmm. feminine is the embodiment of having something to live for. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard that. Gave me chills. So good. Well, that leads me to our menstrual cycle. (laughs) Um, So Uncle Brock, if you're out there listening to this one, I'm sorry, but we got to talk about this. Well, this is responsible for Uncle Brock's life as well as every other human being on the planet. (laughs) You just made his day. He's like, oh, my God, I just got a shout out. Now he's going to read your book. I'm imagining him driving his truck in West Virginia right now listening to us. It's so good. Um, So (laughs) it is, you know, this is very important. And it's a part of this feminine reclamation that you talk about because I want you to share, like, why should we track our cycle? 
And then I just want to, like, share how this has completely changed my life. So you go oh, first. <laughs> can't wait to hear. Okay, so what's so genius about the menstrual cycle, and I did not understand this until I was 33 years old, and I hadn't had a cycle for two and a half years because of being pregnant and nursing and having worked out so hard that I lost my period. So I got it back. And what I realized was when it returned for the first time in my life as a new mother, that it has this blueprint for productivity built right in. And I have always been a total productivity junkie. So I was super excited that my body actually held this blueprint that I had just never been paying attention to. And so the menstrual cycle has four phases and they mimic the seasons and they are the exact four energetic signatures or energetic qualities that we need to get a project done or get anything done in our lives. And our body cycles through these four seasons every month. And so we are extremely predictable as women (laughs) in a cyclical way. So not over a 24 hour period, like men, men cycle hormonally every 24 hours, women cycle hormonally every 28 days or so during their reproductive years. And by the way, if you are, you know, if you've had a hysterectomy, if you're in perimenopause, if you have irregular periods, if you're on hormonal birth control, if you're nursing, if you're pregnant, if you don't have a period or a regular predictable period for some reason, there's so many reasons that might be true. The moon goes through these four phases every month as well. And there is a lot of scientific data that human beings are affected by the moon. It's a little more subtle than the menstrual cycle. But if you want to tap into this, literally everybody can because we all have the moon. Well, uh, my scientific data is when there's a full moon, my children never sleep. Totally. I always knew that right after my period, I I would have this burst of energy. And I couldn't tell that it was just in juxtaposition of feeling so rotten the days before. But I could imagine myself on every talk show. I would have like these like what, you know, when I'm on my period, I would consider delusions of grandeur. And I would be so gung-ho about accomplishing things. I found that my problem was I would make these big plans that week and I would set these big intentions. And then like two and a half weeks later, I would get a response and I'd have to start doing the things that I had set in motion. And I would (laughs) want to hide under my covers. And I'd ask my therapist, like, am I just like on the verge of manic depressive? Like, what is happening? Like, why do I go from this one extreme to the other? And why have I set all these things in motion that seemed so wonderful at the time that now feel like these huge boulders of just like panic-inducing fear and oppression? And then when I read your book, I was like, oh, oh, there's more than just that first week. I could actually put it in my calendar. And I had never thought of that before, like actually tracking it more than just being like, oh, my tampons are gone. Now I'm good to go. Like it was, it was like, oh, wait, I can actually download the app like you suggest. So I downloaded the app Flow. And now I'm able to say like, you know, when it's in my control, like I won't schedule that thing that week because that's my sort of agoraphobic week. Yeah. And it's been so huge. It makes me feel so much better just to have some sort of sense of this roller coaster I'm on. Yes. And listen, it's predictable and we need every reason we can get to feel better about being a woman because our culture, 
from day one tells us that there is something wrong with us and there is something wrong with our bodies. And so we live as women with a culture that believes the very thing that's responsible for human life, which is the female body and the way it works, is fundamentally flawed. Yep. And so that reclamation in such a practical way as tracking our cycle and finding it right, looking for all the ways it can support us is so powerful. Yes, it helps us get more done in less time. And that's amazing. And it helps us like have less friction in our lives. Mm-hmm. But it is this, it is a, a radical feminist act to track your period and schedule your life around it and honor it as right and good. And you share, you know, the benefits of those other stages. Because I've always just thought yeah. like, oh, I love that first week. Because again, like you, I'm a productivity junkie. And like, I just want to <laughs> get things done. And I get a real high from that. But then to recognize and through your book, I was able to see, you know, the benefits of that quieter time, the more introspective period. And so thank you for sharing about that. And I'm excited for our listeners to read about it. I want to also share that my husband laughs because we share our calendar through iCal and I'll like write like that first week optimum. <laughs> He's like, I love it. And he knows to just buckle up because I have so many things optimum. scheduled on my optimum week. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I want to, you know, you have this quote that you are going to be, you know, that you were focusing on managing my energy instead of my time. And I really want my listeners to hear that managing my energy instead of my time. And so in that managing our energy, I have a few questions because yeah. we share a very strange, we have a weird coincidence. So in 2018, your husband dropped 40 pounds, Right from illness, and so did mine. And we both have two young daughters. So your husband has an autoimmune condition, and my husband also has one. And I was listening to one of your old episodes, and you were talking about how, or he mentioned that he had a very swollen elbow. And that's one of the ways that we discovered Adam's autoimmune illness, which I've never, wow. I've never shared it on the show before, actually. So, hey, listeners, we've been dealing with something on the home front. I wanted it to I wanted to find out what it was first and I wanted it to get under control which it has except we had a major flare up this week mm-hmm. so he has rheumatoid arthritis and it can be excruciatingly painful and yeah he lost 40 pounds last year as well and it was just you know the the chaos of it and it was really strange for me to hear you all speaking about it you know cuz you had the bravery to share it while it while you were figuring it out. I didn't have that bravery because I was like, uh, Hollywood's going to stop sending my husband work if I share this right now. Well, um, right. We live in it. We have different lives. And and um, I don't always share things when I'm right no, in the I'm middle sure. of it. But in that particular case, I didn't know what else to do because it was like affecting everything. Mm-hmm. It does. And so when you're in those moments, like where your partner is very ill, and you have to be a container for him. And then you're also like the rock for your children. You know, for example, yesterday, my my daughter Eliza's transitioning out of her crib. And so it's like, I have to sit there while she falls asleep on the mattress on the floor for her nap. And she's, oh, just, she's just yelling at me, like, go away, mommy, go away, mommy, go away, mommy. Like, she, like I'm so impressed by her stamina. I think she's having an optimum week because she just like would not. <laughs> 
<laughs> and she's just like, because she, she wants me to go away because she wants to, she doesn't want to play. She wants to like climb on her bookcase and do ridiculous things and have me talk through the monitor because we tried it out. It didn't work. So I knew I had to sit yeah. there. But after, you know, 20 minutes of her yelling at me, it really starts to get me down. And then <laughs> plus you're trying to do work and everything else. And I'm sharing, you know, I totally understand that my listeners have way way bigger, you know, issues going on in their lives. So hopefully this will help them as well. And I'm just sharing like a humorous anecdote, but it almost broke me because it's like, how how do you, how are you a rock for your partner, a rock for your children, contain all of that while also trying to continue running whatever work you're doing and then, and then somehow maintain your energy. I just don't, I, 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 you know, everyone always says, like, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And I'm sort of in this place of like, okay, I am just going to wait a few seconds before crashing. I'm going to, like, get everything else done, and then I'll put on my mask right before we crash, and then I'll be okay. Which I know is not true. Like, that's burnout. I don't know. I'm asking for help, and I'm not even... (laughs) No, this is a great question. I want to just address, first of all, that we live in a culture that is um, really sick. And so I just want you and anyone else listening to know it's not your fault that this is so hard. We, our culture is seriously effed in terms of the way we connect and create community because expecting one woman to keep it together and support her husband and raise her children and take care of her house and also show up for her career is too much. Mm-hmm. So. There's that. And obviously, I also understand, like, we also, that's true. Like, (laughs) it's, it's, it's screwed up. And it also is happening. Mm -hmm. And so what I did during that really brutal time, we had a couple of months where it was just like, brutal. First of all, I will be totally honest, I did not let myself really acknowledge how bad it was. Mm -hmm. So I really just compartmentalize. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and I just was like, well, I'm just doing the things, but I did not let myself feel mm-hmm. how scary it was or how hard it was until much later. And I'm actually super grateful for our human tendency to mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. in times of trauma. So there was that. And then like nine months later, all my hair fell out. Really? Yeah. Wow. So that just, you know, if anybody. Oh, you know what? Mine did too, but I thought it was because of Eliza being born, but maybe it was Adam. (laughs) Um, Well, well, it put me to combo. My hair fell out once when Ruby was three months old and then it fell out again when she was like 16 months old. And I knew that wasn't really. Yeah, no. Wow. So I have a great integrative doctor who was like, oh yeah, no, that's a thing. After Mm. six to nine months after an extremely uh, stressful event, your, your hair will often just all fall out. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Anyway. Just to know that it may not, you may not really be able to feel how hard it is until later. And that's Uh totally fine. I also want to just give permission to have a total and complete breakdown. There were times when I just sat in my car and screamed and cried for like the, you know, 10 minutes before I had to go in and let the babysitter go home or, Uh or whatever. And I really admitted, it was the first time in my life, I really admitted to the people closest to me, like, this is hard and I don't know, like, I literally can't do it by myself. Whereas Mm -hmm. prior to that, I always sort of could manage to do things. 
And so I just think that leaning on our community, especially on the people that you wouldn't normally lean on, um, is so important and letting them in. My dad, who's a wonderful man, but not somebody like I call immediately when I need support. He saw Mike at Thanksgiving and he hadn't realized how bad it was. And he just held his face and he started to cry. And he was like, next time this happens, you have to tell us. Like, if you're ever going through something like this again, you have to tell us. And so that was just such a good reminder. Like, oh, there, there's actually often more support than we ha- think is available. And I actually make, recommend making a list of all the people who love you and going down the list to see who could support and in what way, because every we all need to be connected to each other. We all need to be helping each other and asking for that help because the isolation is just killing us. I'm on a group text chain. Um, our listeners know many of the women that are on it. And yesterday I texted them because, you know, of course it's always when I'm compartmentalizing it's always the last little thing, like my two-year-old having this cold that wouldn't go away, and then she, you know, it's like she can't go to school, and then that's always the thing that breaks me. It's Hopefully. like, it's not the big things, it's like the little thing, but it is, is a big thing, because you're like, there goes seven hours, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But, you know, my girlfriends are incredible human beings. I'm so lucky to have that, their support, and they wrote back, like, how can we help? And I don't know how to answer that ever. And I think there's a lot of women that are also stumped by that question. How did you, how, what did you ask for in mm-hmm. regards to support? I love this question so much because we've been so brainwashed to believe that we have to do everything by ourselves that yeah. we don't even see ways that people could help us. No. So <laughs> I'm going to give you some really practical examples. One my one neighbor came over and um, took our trash bins down to the end of the driveway so that they could get picked up by the trash people. So I didn't have to figure out how to do that and get my girls ready for school at the same time. Mm-hmm. He also came and cleaned up all of our hoses at the end of the season and wrapped them up and put them in mm-hmm. our shed. So that was, you know, simple, mm-hmm. practical. He was happy to do it. He's a retired guy. And so he did that. My, uh, I just, I leaned, now this is a unique scenario, but I leaned more on people in my company. Mm -hmm. So they knew the situation. And so like I empowered them to think of rather than reaching out to me for the things that they would usually reach out to, to think three steps ahead of like, okay, what are, how far can I get this project before I actually need Kate's help? So Mm, I think we can all do that in our work scenarios Mm -hmm. as a general rule, not just in times of crisis. Like, how great would that be? So great. (laughs) Everyone thought like, oh, how far can I take this before I actually need the next person versus I will say, like, I know I wrote a book called Do Less. But in some cases, there are people who need to do more because, you (laughs) you know, the people who are like they ask you freaking questions that they could Google. And I have a friend who has a company and she has said to her employees when they ask her things like that, I don't know, but I bet Google does. And while that's kind of snide, it really cracked me up. Yeah. (laughs) So we need to empower the people around us 
to get solutions that don't involve us. And that's a big one. Um, the other thing that we can ask for help on is I have a girlfriend whose father just died very, it's a very difficult situation. And her husband has to get surgery. And she also has a two-year-old and she is also running a company. It's all happening in the same week. And her girlfriends from across the country organized a meal train so that all of her local friends are bringing meals. They hired somebody to clean her house so that when she came home from her trip to be with her family for the death, her house was clean. Um, Girlfriends are stepping up to watch her two-year-old every afternoon for the next two weeks in rotation. And this was all organized by two friends who who live in New England, and this friend lives in San Francisco. Mm, I love that. Beautiful, right? It's so beautiful. And I'm I'm getting this like ping though, because I'm so well, okay. When I, I got married very young and I was 24, and I I remember my therapist saying, Your homework is to find you like you gotta make some girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, because all my friends that I would go out with when you get engaged at 23, they like disappear because they're like, I you know, I didn't know. I didn't want to go out like in LA with them anymore. I had like my fiance, right? So then it becomes this isolated situation. And I got a therapist and she was like, you need to make friends. And I did. And they're still my friends this many years later. But I know that there are a lot of listeners out there who find, have found Atomic Moms and like, this is their support because they've moved to another city or, you know, new motherhood, especially the first go around can be so isolating. So I, I'm getting this. I know that there are mothers out there listening to this who are like, oh my God, but I don't have those women in my life. What, Kate, what do you suggest for them to be able to reach out? Because again, we do live in this society where so many women are, you know, you just work, work, work. So you're not making those connections. Like you're not connected to your feminine energy. You're just hustling and making it happen. Then you get pregnant. You're cut off from your work-life relationships, and you're alone. So what are little ways that Mm -hmm. women might be able to connect? I really recommend that when you are in situations like, let's say you're at, I know when I had a newborn, both times I went to breastfeeding support groups and also these like baby classes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> at a local, yeah. At a local Sit organization. in a circle and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Called birth roots, which just like literally saved my life. And so find a, a, a lot of times, especially if you're in that newborn lifetime or like those early, early stages, go out of your house and find moms at the park or at those groups, because I don't even know a lot of these women's last names, but I told them like some of the most honest things I have ever Mm. said and things I wouldn't tell friends who I've been friends with for 20 years, really. Not that, not that they're they're big secrets. It just wouldn't come up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I really recommend like we need to build bonds through telling the truth. And one of my girlfriends who's become the closest I've known her since we were 13, but we have gotten so tight because we've gone through these early stages of parenting together and we tell the truth when it's hard. And so we can actually be there for each other. And, you know, when she had a newborn, I would say, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Do you need anything? And when I had a newborn, she did the same thing. And we dropped 
you know, we drop kids clothes off at each other's houses because the kids sizes and hand me downs, mm-hmm. like all those little things make a difference. And you can be the one who starts telling the truth because everyone is so desperate for it. And that's what creates genuine connection. And then, of course, you know, you find these people in in circle at the library, you know, at story hour at the park, you know, mom workout groups like I, I really I made some of my closest friends through having a newborn and having a new baby and meeting people that way. And I really recommend it because there's something about being at the same shared stage of life that will allow you to connect in a way that you might not be able to connect with your other friends who you've known way longer. Mm -hmm. Because we're also transforming during that stage and you're dropping, you're too tired to have the mask on. So it's like, it is a really, it's a prime, it's an optimal <laughs> opportunity to really like tap in and go deep. And that's what's, and it's, yeah, it's a special it's really time. It's the easiest time to make friends yep. too, because we're, you know, I mean, for, I hate to say it this way, but like everyone in that stage is so beaten down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like a really good time to connect and reach out. And it does take bravery to be honest and be the first one to be honest. But I promise you, your right people will welcome it. And if they don't welcome it, they're not your people. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means they're not up for it. They're not up for being real. And that's okay. They don't have to be because there are 8 billion people on the planet. So trust me, you can find yours. Kate, thank you so much for all of this. Where can our listeners find you? KateNorthrop.com is the best place to come and connect and also on Instagram at Kate Northrup. Oh, everybody, just get her book right now. Like just go, you know, if you have a Kindle, <laughs> go to your local bookshop. How about that? That makes me feel good to oh, say. Yes. And buy Do Less, a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy moms. Again, it's available wherever books are sold. And Kate, thank you so much for braving a snowstorm, braving uh, your (laughs) child's illness, for recording this at your mother's home. I super appreciate it. I super appreciate you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks. Okay, everybody. We have our Atomic Mom shop. You know, if you're looking for the holidays, get a t-shirt, get a print. Artist Madeline Donahue, who's been a girlfriend of mine since we were in high school, her career is just blowing up. So consider a print as an investment piece and it helps support the production costs of this podcast. Special thanks to our production assistant, Olivia Hasty, to Owen O'Neill, our sound engineer, and to our composer, Jeremy Turner. Also special thanks to this cold that I will never get rid of, but I am going to just accept it as is. And... Follow us on Instagram. I don't like the word follow. Join us on Instagram at Atomic Moms. I love hearing from you. Until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. Have an awesome day. You Thanks too. for waking up early. This I feel energized now. You filled me up. Thank Yay! you. Okay, have a great day.